Hi everyone and welcome to the Power Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. Really great to be with you all again and um, I'm really excited to welcome back um, two friends of mine who've been guests on the show before. We're going to have a really great conversation today. I'm certain of it. Um, uh, Trace Bell and Tina Wilson, welcome back to the show. Oh, we're so Yay! happy to be back. We're, we're so honored that you had us again. Yeah, yeah, and it's your third time um, now. Uh, now more than your dad. Uh, um, by the way, who's Rob Bell? In case you didn't know, um, <laughs> for listeners, I'm sure people Trace wins up by now. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Trace's third time on the show, so this is exciting, exciting times. Trace's trace time. Trace is trace time. I'm, I'm gonna make sure to to let my dad know that I've been on more times. Just to just <laughs> he's just to always welcome up. to come back. By the way, Rob, if you're listening, you're welcome to come back, always. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got. We're going to talk about something that's really um, close to my heart today. Something that we've been exploring um, in Zoom calls outside of this podcast, um, and something that I talk about a lot on this show. We're going to talk about death, grief um quantum entanglement um and the afterlife all sorts of interesting stuff so and i know this conversation is going to be really really great so, so um yeah um and today trace is kind of going to be the host today because he's going to ask the questions um so um yeah take it away trace all right thank you so one of one of the things I'm really interested by and fascinated by um, hearing both of your stories is the way that um, death has played a role on your on your journeys and, and your awakenings. Um, in our in our modern world, it's sort of a it's kind of like a prevalent view that that death is the end when the when the physical body dies and when someone dies, it's the end. I mean, you you can you can grieve them, you can think about them, um, you can honor them, but you don't really. The, their their physical death is just sort of the end and um this is kind of like a dominant this is kind of a dominant view that i think is very uh uncreative and actually um takes away a lot of the the transformational power of death um if you will um and from hearing both of you talk about your stories um the, the you you both have had a, a loved one that, that has passed and, and that's played a tremendous role um in, in your expansion, in your journey. And, and when I hear both of you talk about that story, um, death wasn't the end. Death was a change of forms. Um, and the change of forms allowed you to have a relationship and actually have a, a evolve and, and transform your relationship with um, the person who had passed, uh, which I find very, very uh, fascinating and intriguing. Um, and I, I would love to have a discussion about um, the role that the role that death has played uh, on your on your spiritual journeys, and then the way that this loved one passing has reframed how you view death and reframed uh, how you relate to them and your relationship with them. I think it's a I think it's a really really important thing to talk about. Um, seeing seeing death as a as a as a transformation and as a changing of forms rather than the end. Um, so if you would both just talk a little bit about um, your story uh, with with losing a losing a loved one, and then talk about how how that how that was a it was actually a change of forms for you and how you actually um uh c communicated with them and, and still had a relationship with them um and the way uh the way in which that that reframed everything for you i'd really love to hear like how that how that changed your both of your perspectives on death 
Um, so whoever wants to start first, Tina, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. I'll jump in. Thank you. I love yeah. this, this question and this inquiry. I'm excited to hear uh, more of your story, James. Um, so my dad passed, uh, I guess it's been four years ago now, um, after an 18-month battle with um, stage four cancer. And there's the very real human suffering part when someone is sick, but that they're still fighting for their life. There's still a chance that things could turn around and that they could heal to the point of having a, a, a semblance of a good life. And then there's a moment in time when um, in some people's journeys, uh, you know, when someone's been sick, um, where maybe it's realized that that's not, that there's actually isn't a future in their body anymore. And so that happened for my dad on a Monday. The doctors told him that there was nothing else that they could do. And I was across the country in Boston. My family lives in the San Francisco area. And I was in Boston for work. My, I lived in Chicago at the time. So the first thing when I found out he had elected hospice care, which in the U.S. is what happens when you choose palliative care or, or um, you know you're going to die and they're just trying to get your medication comfortable enough so that you can have a little bit less suffering during your transition. But that that period of time, it's like death is imminent. There's no other medical intervention, but that period of time is unknown, right? As to how, how long your body might, might just kind of stay in this state of not being able to be helped, but not getting a lot worse. Um, but I feel like for my dad choosing, knowing that there wasn't anything else that could be done, he had fought so hard that I think he actually surrendered like in a very beautiful way. Like the choice to go to hospice was an active choice to die. Um, and so I had to fly back to my place to, to be with my dog who is a senior and whose dog sitter, you know, I found this out in the airport when I was literally already about to head back to my place. So I had like a set of decisions to make and, um, what was it? Do I jump on a plane immediately? Try to find another dog sitter on urgent notice. My dog had a lot of, he was senior, had a lot of needs. I had to make all of his food and all this stuff. So it was like, a lot to leave behind or was there like the recognition that my dad could his body like in his current state he could last for a number of weeks and as soon as someone dies then there's all the other things to have to deal with there's that there's my mom there's my my brother there's you know arrangements all of that kind of stuff and so i made the decision to get in the car with my dog and drive um which would take me four days because driving alone i wasn't going to drive tired especially under these circumstances. And so I was going to take it, you know, about eight hours of driving a day, but, but not try to get there any sooner. Not to mention the fact that even if you try to push that drive, there's like nowhere to sleep. <laughs> if you drove longer, you're in the middle of nowhere. So I start my drive and I go to bed for the first night on my trip in a hotel. And that night I have a dream normal dream things are happening. It was regular dramas playing out. I was in a friend's boyfriend's house and all of a sudden my dad's standing in the foyer and he's younger, he's healthy and he's just standing there. And I had this knowing or it's as if like consciousness told me that 
this is a visitation and that people who are alive don't make visitations. Now, whether or not that statement is an accurate statement, I, I can't speak to, but the point is it was communicated, it effectively communicated to me that my dad had transitioned and that he was visiting me. And he just stood there. He didn't say anything. He wasn't an actor in the dream. He just stood there. And I, I could still see like to this moment what he was wearing in that dream, how healthy he looked. He was probably mid fifties and strong and clear. And so I woke up and the second I woke up in the morning, I, you know, the dream that didn't startle me. It actually brought me great peace. And so I kept sleeping. And um, when I woke up in the morning, I actually even forgot about this. The first thing that happened is the phone rings. I answer it. It's my mom saying my dad has passed. And then I remember, oh my gosh, he already came to visit me. And then I get a text message. I tell a dear friend of mine who's a medium that he's passed. And she sends me a message saying that he came to her in the night and told her, thank you for not making me wait. And during my drive, I had said out loud to the universe, dad, you don't have to wait for me. You've suffered long enough. We're on our way, but you don't have to wait for me. I was solid in knowing the kind of relationship that he and I had. And I truly, from a place of unconditional love, did not need to see him one more time. If that meant him laying in bed, not able to eat, um, feeling sick or, you know, I don't, sick is even like an understatement. Um, like I had zero need to try to like have quote unquote resolution. Um, I just, I just wanted him to go comfortably. And he came to my friend and thanked me for that immediately. So my dad was hard at work. Like the moment he, he transitioned, he was wanting to make sure I got certain messages. And I, I think we'll talk about this later in the podcast after we hear James's story and it naturally re-arises. But my first real interaction with grief wasn't somebody dying. It was actually the loss of a relationship of somebody who was still alive. And that had wrecked me for years. And so by the time my dad passed, I had gone through so many dark nights of the soul. I had gone through so much healing. I had gone through the depths of hell of grief and come out the other side. Um, so there was this whole like foundation, this root in my system that was built to allow this miraculous transition for my dad, where I got to immediately have a new relationship with him, knowing how present he was with me. And as I drove across the mountains of um, Montana or Wyoming, I guess it would be Wyoming, excuse me. Um, I could feel the expansiveness of his consciousness. I could feel, I, I, I said to a cousin of mine, who's an astrologer and kind of, you know, does the woo woo things with me. Um, I said, the weirdest thing about my dad passing I wasn't sad in that moment because he had suffered so much. It was, it was time. It wasn't unexpected. And he had been, he had been taken into being a shell of himself. So there wasn't sadness in that moment. I, I have sadness as a part of grief process for me, but in that moment, I wasn't feeling sadness. I was feeling the relief of him not being trapped in this body anymore. And what I said to my cousin is the, the hardest thing to get my head around right now is how huge his consciousness is. It's so expansive. It felt like the entirety of the mountains 
that I was driving through. It felt like the entirety of the sky, they call that big sky country. Like it's the sky literally looks bigger than it looks in other places. And, and he filled all of it. And so when we tune into another human, when we're trying to figure out how to communicate with that person or what that person is feeling or trying to have empathy for that person and we tune into their field, we're getting like a small portion of their consciousness. But as soon as they're out of a body, they're, they're in their fullest expression of like, it's all of them. I don't know how else to explain it. And so I think part of the reason that people can't easily tune into loved ones is if you're holding a lot of density, hard emotions in your own body, it takes your own vibration down. And it's only really from a place of true heart-centered, unconditional love that we can actually feel and connect to. It's kind of like a Venn diagram where we have to have our vibration at a certain place to really be able to feel people who aren't the physical body anymore, who are, who are, you know, of the light. And in that feeling, you realize how expansive we all are. It's just that we've limited that temporarily for this human experience. So I'll pause there and James, let you, let you respond and tell your story. Hmm. Wow. Well, thank you, Tina, for sharing that story. Um, that's very powerful um, and uh, very moving. And um, yeah, wow. Um, so, in terms of my story, I think I'll tell it in kind of there's three moments, I guess, which will help explain it. Um, the first is in 1985 when I was eight years old. Um, my mother had a very severe asthma attack and mm. almost died in front of me. Um, maybe think eight years old, almost seeing that happen in front of you. Um, she went into a coma. They didn't think she would survive. They were planning for the funeral. Um, she survived. Uh, and the first thing that she told my dad when she spoke to him after she came out of the coma was that, that she had been with Jesus by Galilee walking on the beach and that he had sent her back. Um, and it was a very vivid experience for her, which she shared with us multiple times after that, um, uh, as if she felt she'd been sent back for a reason. Uh, and... I'm sure that it had something to do with myself and my sister, um, which I'll get onto, um, because we were very young children, uh, and my dad would have been a single parent um, had had she had she passed at that point. So, you jump 15 years later, um, and you know, me and my sister are both adults, and my sister decides to go travelling to Thailand for a few months. Um, my mother says goodbye to her at the airport, gives her a big hug, uh, and um, then it's quite silent in the car on the on the journey away from the airport, which was unusual for her. She wasn't normally that that quiet. She's quite talkative. She was quite a talkative, talkative, extroverted person in some ways. So 
And that was an interesting thing that happened. And then she had a drink with my dad. And they, they were divorced by this point. They had a drink and reminisced about the good times and were had kind of restored their friendship at least and were on really good terms and getting on well. Um, and then the Friday night before she passed, she came to see me where I was living and dropped off some medication for my epilepsy because she'd always been nagging on at me my, about my medication because I always used to forget. Um, and she brought all this medication. I have no idea how she got it at all. <laughs> but she brought this all over and um, we had a big hug. She was five foot two, so she fit fit under my neck. Um, it's quite 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 nice actually thinking about it. Um, we had this big hug and um, and it, it feels like it went on for a while actually. And then she left. And that was the last time I saw her alive. Um, I, I got a phone call the next morning from my dad, which woke me up. Kind of, I was in, lying in bed. Um, it was one of those first mobile brick phones, um, Nokia's, you know. Um, and my dad phoned me up and told me that my mother had passed, passed away. And it was 7.30 in the morning, I think, or 8.30 in the morning. She passed away an hour before that um, asthma attack. Mm. Uh and there was nothing anyone could do. There was no way that they could have saved her. Um, you know, she was kind of dead on, almost on the spot kind of thing. Um, and so I went to the hospital to see the body, um, which I, in hindsight, I know I needed to do. Um, my dad kind of nudged me to do it at the time, and I'm glad he did, because I think he knew I needed to see the body. Um and when I went to see the body, it was it wasn't her. It was her body. It was the, like a body that she had lived in, but it was not. It was not her anymore. Mm. She was not present anymore. And that was that 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 that's the moment you know that it, that it's real, right? You know that they've passed, um, and so you can move on to the kind of the acceptance, and so. It was like she was, and and yeah. You know, so you think it was like she was almost saying goodbye to people before she passed that week before she passed. That she was like, or a month before she passed, she was saying goodbye to my sister. She was saying goodbye to my dad and making peace with him. She was saying goodbye to me. Um, mm. And we found the diary that she had when we were clearing out the house after she passed, and it had she'd written in it dates that um, remind James to make my funeral happy. Mm. Right, and she'd written this for months before she died and for days after that she died. Wow. Um, and um to remind us of to it was almost and, and me, me and my dad even said this, like and he said like she knew, she knew, she knew she was she knew she was about to pass. She she uh I'm gonna get emotional <laughs> talking about this. Um she she knew, yeah. It was it was almost like she'd done what she was sent back to do. Like you know, my sister was off traveling, independent. You know, doing her thing. I just finished university. I got a job. I was moving on with my life. I'd moved out of move out of the house um, in my own place um, at that point. So um, she was kind of ready. She was at peace, really, with 
passing on. She was not going to resist anymore. She was going to let whatever happened happen. And um, yeah, and so and then it, so there's so there's that, and then you jump to you know the last five or six years. I've done a lot of therapy, a lot of spiritual direction, um, a lot of embodiment work. Um, I've studied a lot of, um, you know, quantum quantum physics and all of this kind of thing. Um, and I was doing yoga. I remember I was doing yoga. This is two or three years ago. So really starting to get in tune with my body. And... Um, and doing all this work on myself and uh, and really experiencing and feeling my grief. Mm. And then I go to this spiritual community that I'm still part of and we were meeting in person at that point because it wasn't the pandemic. <laughs> um, I think it was 2019 this happened. Um, and we were singing um, Taze chance which is french kind of spiritual kind of um christian kind of based chants um as a form of worship and uh i was singing the french words but i was getting them wrong and it was it was it was i don't want to say weird because it wasn't weird but it was suddenly it was almost like i was not in my body anymore it was suddenly it was like she was there and we were interacting and we were laughing at me getting the, the words wrong because she was a French teacher. She spoke fluent French, right? So she knew all the French words. And it was it was strange because I was physically, my, physically my body was there, but I was almost out of my body. Like it was almost like I was interacting with her. Um, and there was this energy like around me, like that with everything was happening around me and I was just there with her. Um and this energy stayed around me all the, all my journey home. And I didn't even notice it was there. Like I didn't notice this was happening almost until I got home and started journaling about it. And I was like, oh, my God. That was a transcendent experience. I encountered my mum. Like, and that was real. <laughs> and I spoke to somebody about it at, um, who's a spiritual director. And they said, yeah, that was real. That, that happened. Yeah, that, that's real. And I started to have other experiences of this, like, and I started to notice more, like sometimes, sometimes when songs come on, just when you need them, that maybe you remind you of them, like, and they come on, they come up totally randomly on Spotify or something. You don't select them; they just come up. Um, or, or you're going, or you're just going through something, and suddenly you just notice, oh, hi, you're here, aren't you? Like. Yeah, like um, you just get a sense of them being, of her being there. Um, and I've had a few experiences like this. Um, yeah, I had, I had one last year when I was in a cinema watching this movie about this person who creates this machine where you can go and interact with your own memories as if they're actually happening. And yeah. there's this kind of projection of that they that, that comes up of these memories where and in and in this movie this man the love of this man's life he basically has disappeared but and she is about to die 
and she's being held captive by this guy. And so what she does is she talks to the she talks to this guy as if she is talking to this love of her life and saying goodbye to him. And does this beautiful moving goodbye speech and gratitude and um and it doesn't make no sense because she's talking to this her captor, but she's actually talking to the love of her life. So when he plays this guy's this captor's memories back, he can see this and he actually goes into the memory and he speaks to her and they it's almost like they're having this conversation in real time. And they watch this. And I suddenly felt myself back in the room that my mother and I were had our last conversations. And um it was it was like almost I was <laughs> it was like I was almost I, at first I was just observing it, but then I was almost in it. And we had a kind of conversation. Mm. Um and I don't remember what was said. It was but it was I remember because I, I the, the toll it took on my body emotionally, physically, it was just it happened in about 30 seconds. But I was kind of not tired at all, fine, like totally fine before this, even though the movie had been on for two hours. And after this, I was just a wreck. Mm. And it was just I'd had this moment with her again, and it was real. This wasn't a figment of my imagination. It happened, and it it happened almost. I didn't I didn't plan it to happen. It just did. Mm. Um, and um, and then I had, a, I had another experience recently where, I was watching this movie called, and you're going to laugh when you hear this, Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, um, I love that movie. Right? And you know that in that movie, if you've seen it, they go back into their bodies when they're 16. But it's their 40-year-old consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was kind of like watching it thinking, what would, ha- what would I do if I went back to my teenage years and went into my body? Like, and I was almost joking, like, joking myself about it at first. And then I started taking it seriously. And I started to visualize and then started to feel myself doing it almost. And I sat down with my mother on our sofa. And I told her, like, because my mum was an alcoholic when I was a teenager, because of the, the, the brain damage that, that this earlier attack did to her meant she mm-hmm. lost her short term memory, lost uh, and couldn't work. And she was quite an independent woman before that. And so the, the depression of that and the, the, the anxiety, all the stuff, all the trauma of that had an impact on her you know she did get into recovery before before she died you know but um but at that point she was in the midst of it and it had an impact on me obviously as a teenager and it and in this moment i was talking to her, i said look please if you love us can you stop, can you stop doing this? like you're doing this you're doing this bad thing to yourself it's hurting you and it's hurting me and it's hurting my sister like, please stop for us. If no, for nobody else, just stop for us. Like, and I was in tears. Like, I, <laughs> mm. um, and again, it was, it, it was real. I'm sure that this was real. And it was, it was, yeah. I, and it was, and it was me, it was my consciousness now in my 16 year old, 17 year old body doing this. Like, um, and then it, that, that ended. <laughs> Um, so that's been that I've had all these experiences and doing embodiment work as well. Um, learning to talk to my body as a person, um, mm. understanding 
the idea of your consciousness and awareness as separate from your body um, has also helped me kind of understand that and, and accept that this is a real thing, that, you know, that our consciousness can exist outside of our body. Death is literally the end of your human experience, and it's not the end of your consciousness or life, you want to call it. Um, and I've really started to experience that. And internal family systems therapy is kind of getting to know your own body and talking to parts of your brain, talking to trauma wounds with your, like your main consciousness. And again, it's kind of like an awareness that this is my body, but my consciousness and my awareness is not my body, but we have a relationship obviously, (laughs) but, um, but that they are not like the essence of me, just as my mum's body was not the essence of my mum. Um, and and then I found out about and then I watched this movie Clara, <laughs> which I recommended to you guys, um, which is which introduced me to this idea of quantum entanglement, of like like things getting attached to atoms, and atoms bonding with each other, and that those bonds remaining. Um, and they explore this in the movie, and I won't give it away, but there's a really so at the end of the movie, you see this kind of really tangibly happen that there's a somebody who's passed is clearly communicating with somebody who is still alive. And they're a scientist who kind of like is like, no, 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 this this, this is all kind of airy fairy up in the sky. Like, and they're in tears when this happens at the end of the movie. And 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 that kind of opened my eyes again. It was like, oh my gosh, yeah, what I what I've experienced is not it's not just me. This is a legitimate thing. This is, this could actually be explained by science even. And um, so, and yeah, now I have a really tangible sense of my mother being with me. Um, I even actually had a tarot reading recently for 2022. And one of the things that came up was like, your mother is carrying you, watching, like taking care of you. This year, particularly because I'm moving out on my own, quite a distance away from the rest of my family, and I got given her little thing, a little pot with her ashes in for Christmas. Mm. A photo of me and her when I was a baby, which a photo I didn't even know existed till a year ago. So there is a real sense that of that we, we we have a relationship now. You know, and it's not, it's not, obviously it's not the same as it was. And I don't see her every day and I don't talk to her every day, you know, and it's not codependent or anything like that, but it's a real relationship, right? It's, it's, I'm aware of her consciousness and it's a different kind of relationship because she's not limited by physicality anymore. And it's funny that you mentioned that thing about your dad, Tina, like in physical spaces because I went to mm. Scotland a couple of years ago, which is where my mother grew up, and on the beach, mm. beach where she played as a little girl, and where her ashes are now scattered, some of her ashes. And I, the first time I've been there since her ashes had um, been scattered there, and I, I had the same experience. I, I felt a real mm-hmm. sense of she was there, you know. And the sea just goes out, and it's this like into this into the, the horizon, and. And of course, her ashes in the water, and I thought, oh gosh, her ashes have been—they're just—they're just everywhere now. Like she's mm-hmm. in all this. So when you said that, that kind of resonated. So yeah, that's 
I guess that's my journey of um, experiencing death and grief and learning to understand um, how consciousness exists and goes on after physical death. Mm. Yeah. I think that I, I, that that's a beautiful story. I, I, I love, I love hearing both of your stories. I, I um, I've had, this has been such a huge uh, lesson for me. And, and when I met Tina, I met Tina after her dad had passed. So I was, I was never able to act with, interact with her dad in, in human form. Um, but her dad, her dad is the first person that's passed that I've really like felt their presence in like a really tangible way. Like I, I feel Tina's dad's uh, presence and his consciousness. Um, and I can even sort of communicate with it, not communicate or communicate with him, not communicate with him in like sort of like a conversational, like back and forth, but just like, there's like a deep sort of feeling of his presence and like feeling of his love and like a way that's like, uh, you know, not, you, you can't, it's like, it's not through like the five physical senses. It's like a deeper, deeper knowing. Um, and it's been such a, it's been such an amazing, uh, lesson and, and learning experience for me because it's really reframed. Uh, it's really reframed how I view death because there there's, I'm able to hold both of the truths side by side of the, the truth that, um, I am sad that I never got to interact with Tina's dad in human form. I'm, I, it, it is sad that I never got to, you know, watch sports with him and, and, you know, laugh and tell jokes with him in, in, in human form. But because he's passed, he's played this very, very important role in my journey of being the first person who's passed, whose presence I've really felt and reframing death. So like, it's, it's interesting how the death and the changing of forms actually allowed him to play a, a, a really, really important role in my journey that he wouldn't be able to play in human form. And just seeing that, seeing, seeing the gift and all of that and being able to hold both of those truths side by side that I can still feel the sadness that I never got to interact with him in human form, but also hold that side by side with the gratitude of the role that he's playing. And I think that's, that's a really beautiful, um, it, it's really beautiful to be able to hold both those truths. Um, so my, so my next question is, is, is kind of along those lines. So when, when both of you have had these, these transcendental experiences, um, was it like, was it like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. Like this is paradigm. This is paradigm shifting. Like I can't, I can't believe this. Or was it more like, oh, of course, of course, this is the way things that things are um, and kind of less paradigm shifting. Or was it both side by side? Because one of my favorite things about uh, about my awakening experiences is that it holds the paradox of every one of my awakenings has been like, holy shit, this is this is crazy. I can't believe I can't believe reality is this way. And at the same time, Oh, of course it's this way. It's obvious. It's it, the, the genius is from its simplicity and the way that that spirit, consciousness, God, source, whatever word you want to give it, the way that that holds both of those truths of, of course, this is the only way it's, it's all love. Um, the, the, the energy of the universe is, is pure love. Um, life is for us rather than, than life is for us rather than happening to us. Um, of course it's that way. And at the same time, what a, what a mind blowing paradigm shifting experience. Um, so that's, 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 that's what I want to learn from, from and hear from both of you on is, is how, when you had these experiences, how, how kind of, how paradigm shifting was it and how, how, how mind blowing was it or how kind of natural did it feel? And, and if it felt both of those, I want to hear that. Tina, you, you want to jump go? in first, James? <laughs> okay, no, I'll, yeah, I'll go. I, I will. Um, I think the first real experience of this was the one I talked about when I'd been doing yoga and then I had this transcendental experience in my spiritual community, the one 
with the speaking of French and all of that. Of that. And that, I didn't know what was happening to start with. Um, mm. But I did notice that there was a different energy around me and that the, the whole world looked different. It was almost like I was observing the rest of the world. There was a bubble around me. And I was like, I remember walking out of church out of, because it was in a little Anglican church building. And I remember walking out and there was this, and even then it looked really like, this is like a bit surreal. This is okay. Something going on here. Like, you know, um, and w- I walked all the way down the road to, to an underground station, got on an underground train, got the train home, walked home from the station. And I was still in this state. Like, um, my mother wasn't there anymore, but I was still in this, this mm. state. Like she was there right in that moment when we were interacting. And I just stayed in this kind of out of out of space almost place. And then and I remember sitting down and I watched this movie, um, Finding a Friend for the End of the World. Um, and I was journaling when I was watching that. And I think there was something about like the end of the world, like this movie, um, reconnecting with the people that you love, um, mm. which was part of this movie, but also journaling. And I was, and that's when I had this realization that something had happened. And I was like, oh my god, you know. And I thought this this was real, wasn't it? Like I was trying to like just check with myself. This this really happened, didn't it? Like. Um, and I journaled about it. I, I I wrote it all down, like because I had to get it out. I knew that if I didn't, I would forget. And, and yeah, and that I think that was like that awakened. That was like an awakening almost in itself mm-hmm. yeah. to oh, this is the, the, to the possibility of this. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I think that really was where the curiosity and desire to explore this more came from. It was like this was a real experience, and this happened. So I need to investigate this and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And I started to have, and that's when I started to have more experiences and and encounters with all this all these different bits of information. And somehow everything I was learning, including the spiral dynamics thing that you did, everything I was learning was somehow connect or somehow connecting in some way. It was mm-hmm. it was just like this kind of it was like it was drawing me out this this was drawing me out into an awareness of something bigger that i hadn't been aware of and i was already on a kind of spiritual awakening journey by then i was well into that journey by then but this was kind of the next step in that it was like i got to a certain point and this was kind of a moment where i started to go out of out of that and into something else and something into something bigger and I think everything that I've done since then, uh, everything I've learned since then, has um, has been kind of fueled by that. Everything I've learned about science, everything I've learned about spiral dynamics, about embodiment, um, tar- tarot experiences, um, and astrology, and exploring all of these different things, um, and other spiritual ideas and concepts, has all been about, all been probably come from, that moment like the curiosity that came from that moment so uh, and like i said i'd already had a bit of a spiritual awakening before that but this was kind of like i got myself into the place where i was able to have this experience with my mother which then itself opened up 
to another experience. Um, and I do have a sense that my mother being at peace about passing was almost a sense of, uh, and this is hard to say, but almost a sense of, I know that me passing will allow my children to go on a different path that will help them become their fullest self. Mm. I don't think that's why she chose to die. I don't think she chose to die. I think that's why she was at peace with dying. It was like, mm. like maybe you don't want to die. Maybe you don't like, but at least she would, I think she had a sense of, okay, if I'm going to die, it's going to, it's going to have some kind of meaning. It's going, mm. to, it's going to serve a purpose. Like, um, and I don't say that to say that I wanted my mother to die or my mother wanted to die. I don't believe that. Um, and, you know, I would take my mother back right now. Um, but I think there's a sense of, like, her knowing that, that, that if she died, that, that we would actually, that it would, that it would play a role in us flourishing. And it definitely has played a role in me flourishing. And I found reconnection to her. So, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the long version of my answer to that question. But uh, it was definitely, a, and I'm only realizing this now, really, that it was such a pivot point for me. Um, it was like everything, all the work I'd done on myself up to that point took me to that point where I was able to have that experience, and then I, that experience opened me up to another experience, mm. and. Um, and so lots of other experiences since. So that's that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's amazing. I, I I love hearing that. Yeah, it's it, it shows you these these experiences change us. I mean, we can we can we can read, we can we can learn, and all that's wonderful. But the real change comes from actual um, experiences, and that that radically transforms mm -hmm. everything. And that's how it's been for me. Um, Tina, how how Very has true. how has those those experiences with your dad? How's that like reframed how you? Um, how you view things or how did that, was it, you were already on a spiritual journey um, for a little bit yeah, before you, know, you had those. I, so, what, so it probably wasn't like paradigm shattering, like, Oh shit. I mean, it was probably well, crazy, but in the yeah, best way possible. So before we jump into this, I just want to say one thing, James, like uh, thank you for giving us all the gift of reframing our own deaths and seeing them as a gift to the ones who loved us as an opportunity to understand the truth capital T truth more clearly, like, yeah, there's a lot of pain in grief. Um, and there's potentially a lot of trauma in, in the process of dying, depending on how it, you know, how it goes. Uh, yep. there's, there's many different ways that can take form. So just thank you for that gift. Cause that's something that I hadn't for my own passing. I hadn't thought about in that way, even though I see other people's passing as, as a gift for my growth, you know? Um, so Trace, back to your question, I'm going to answer it in a strange way. Um, not about my dad, actually. Um, so my, my first grief process was the result of being in a relationship with someone whose dad committed a murder suicide. And that murder suicide caused the person that I was in a relationship with to, to look like he left his body. Like there was nothing behind his eyeballs anymore. He was an empty shell of a human being going through life. And so our relationship subsequently ended. 
And with the ending of that relationship came a level of grief that I had not known before and hopefully won't ever have to visit again. Um, I think partially because it was, it was bringing my spiritual awakening and I was very, very unconscious and asleep. I was very much stuck. If we want to talk about spiral dynamics in like an orange logic paradigm, my, my thinking brain had gotten really strong and I was achieving at work, but I was like a stress case with kind of empty relationships, even though I, I tried to connect deeply. It's just like I wasn't deeply connected to myself. And so this brought a huge shattering of my heart, which would be the only way to let the light in, right? It's like it had to happen that I felt this in an extreme way in order to now go on a journey to, to continue uncovering my true self. And so about a year and a half, almost two years after the person died, the, the person who committed suicide, um, I was in Hawaii with a friend and I was in a, a gift shop that I really like looking at jewelry and I saw a person who committed suicide. Now, I don't know if it was another human who just looked a lot like him, but he was wearing a hat of a college that is in the area that he lived in, which is very far from Hawaii. It's not even like on the West Coast of the United States. It's like very random. And um, I immediately knew on some level that that person was trying to get a message to me. So whether, whether it's his consciousness took a form and it like that wasn't really a human or whether it was just a human that I mistakenly, you know, was meant to bring the message, but just coincidentally was wearing the same hat. Don't know. Don't care. Really? The point is it shook me. And I was like, okay, there's something, there's something here. And so I went back that evening to the hotel and meditated on the beach. And it was one of those amazing skies where the sun there's a ton of clouds, but the sun is like breaking through. It's like those images that they purposely use to try to depict heaven <laughs> because the sun is like breaking through the clouds in, in particular sunbeam kind of ways. And during my meditation, what I heard was, I'm now healed enough to come help you. And the reason I'm bringing this up in answer to your question question trace even though it seems like it's not a direct response is through this process of people transitioning and feeling different types of pain and grief I'm being taught so much more about how the universe works um, Christianity and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other religions have similar feelings about suicide. Like there's a very, very negative look at suicide. You are like committing an ultimate sin to take this life away. And back to your point, Trace, of certain perspectives just seem very uncurious. It, that, that perspective also seems very non-compassionate to a person who'd be in such a place that they would make that choice and think that, feel that that was the best option for their suffering. Um. And so that led me to learn that some people who channel have a particular perspective that 
people who commit suicide actually go to kind of some sort of like a, almost like a soul hospital on the other side. Like they're going to actually receive care. And so instead of being ostracized or sent to hell or some being damned, they're actually being like loved in that much more of source energy to be healed because something that would cause someone to actually do something like that is so extreme. And so the point of all this, <laughs> I know I said that a few times too, but is to say that every one of these experiences is exactly that both and that you talked about. It's exactly that paradox of holy shit, I can't believe I can't believe some somehow some being incarnated in a hat in Hawaii in a way that was able to bring me this message that was able to shake me emotionally so hard that I go meditate and find this out about his soul saying that he can help now, which uncovers to me a whole nother aspect of reality that actually souls that are in huge amounts of pain actually get loved more. They don't get sent away and that humans are in a lot of pain. Like if they're willing to accept it, you know, there's free will involved in all this, but they deserve to be loved more too. Right? Like, we have so many of these principles. It's almost like we save them for the other side when what we're trying to do is create heaven on earth here. And there are through the various ways that people can die and through the various ways that we can connect truly to the pain, to the suffering and, and suffering into the curiosity of that experience we actually get to learn a ton about how we're meant to be creating this earth and this life and what's truest to the consciousness that came into these bodies as opposed to this perpetual trauma and war and scarcity and lack and fear and all of these things that, that we've taken on into our bodies and then get lied to time and time again because we have these nervous system reactions and because we because we think that we're, we're totally confused as to what this whole experience is meant to be. And so in every moment that these things happen, we have the both and of like, holy shit, that just shook me. That felt like something. That's crazy. My brain doesn't understand that. And like, duh, of course it's that way. It's I love the word remembering because you're remembering like, you're bringing your the members of you like back in, like you're bringing things back together. You're not discovering something new. You're, you're reconstituting what already has always been and only got segmented or fragmented because of misunderstandings mm -hmm. as a human. Perfect. Perfectly said that that's, that's, that's one of my favorite things about, uh, awakening is that it's not a realization, it's a remembering. And that's actually how you know it's real. Um, because it's not some sort of new knowledge you gain. It's not some sort of new realization you have. It's actually a remembering of the thing, the way that things have always been. It's remembering that death isn't the end, that consciousness isn't limited to the physical body. When the physical body dies, consciousness doesn't go with it. Um, this in this in our, in our modern kind of scientific, uh, material, materialist science, scientific worldview, um, is not something that's accepted because it's so locked into this idea that, that our bodies and brains are producing our consciousness and your, your essence can just be boiled down to neurons in your brain. Um, again, a very uncreative and, and uncurious view at, at life and the, and the complexity and depth of life. 
Um, but that, that real, that, that awakening to the fact that, that who, who we are in our essence, um, goes on and isn't limited to just this. It isn't limited to the, to the physical, uh, doesn't rely on the physical. The physical is just actually an expression of our essence rather than something that produces it. Um, the most beautiful thing about it is that it's just a, it's just a remembrance of the way that it's always been, um, rather than mm -hmm. some sort of new discovery. Um, so I, I, I love that. I love what you, I love you saying that, uh, James, when, when did you, uh, when did you discover quantum entanglement and what, what dots did that connect when you, when you discovered quantum entanglement, like what specifically did that help you, uh, connect and, and make sense of? Well, I actually discovered it in that movie, Clara. Um, I was reading about, you know, quantum physics and time and, and studying all of that, but I hadn't got to quantum entanglement at that point. And I, I mean, it's really strange this movie and its impact on me. Like, I remember seeing the trailer for it and being curious about it. Like, it was like this. This is something interesting. Like, uh, and I wasn't expecting to what it, even that, even that to be part of it. And then I saw this movie and they talked about quantum entanglement and you kind of see it in action without giving anything away. Like, and and I was like, oh gosh, this is this is it. This is it. This is what's happened. Like, this is what I'm experiencing. Like, um, yeah, obviously, me and my mother were really, really close. And we were really on the same wavelength as well. It wasn't just the mother-son bond, like, which was close anyway. But we used to have the same thoughts about things. We used to have the same opinions. We used to laugh at the same things. We used to watch TV shows and laugh, laugh at the same bits. Um and yeah we were just on the same wavelength we're both creative people she she wrote, wrote poetry i i've written a lot i wrote poetry when i was younger um so you know we're both kind of i guess academically gifted uh as well she you know um and yeah we were just really on the same wavelength um we always were and and so yeah and then Hearing about this quantum entanglement and having had, you know, by that time, a couple of two or three experiences, and wondering what they were, and I, and and I thought, gosh, this might actually be a real scientific thing. And of course, I can't prove that it's quantum entanglement. I can't go mm -hmm. and do it in a lab and do an experiment and, and all of that. But my lived experience is very much like when you talk about what quantum entanglement is. It's like, well, maybe this is, oh, maybe this is something that is really going on you know like maybe this is why when twins identical twins feel the same thing in their body even though they're miles apart mm -hmm. maybe that's what that is as well maybe you know it's it's kind of people talk about this weird psychic link between identical twins maybe it's not a weird psychic link maybe it's just quantum entanglement and you've got and you've been bonded literally been bonded in the womb mm -hmm. and then you're not bonded um but you still shared the same room at the same time. There's something going on, right? So and I don't know the science of that. I'm not a scientist. And I'm not going to pretend to be a scientist. But it just clicked with me. And I was like, mm. intuitively, I just felt this is what's going on here. Like, this is a scientific rationale for it, at the very least. Like, um, and I know that your dad, Trace, has talked a lot about us being atoms and, like, how like how many atoms make up our body and like our bodies our body could be 
stardust and all of this. And, and when I, and I took that into account as well. And it was like, Oh gosh, this kind of all makes sense. Like something about it made sense to me. And it, it was just, it, it was a tangible route into it from a kind of science perspective that I hadn't had before. Mm. That's, um, that's I, had, I had the lived experience. I had the kind of supernatural spiritual kind of aspect of it. Um, and this kind of really just cemented it. It was like, ah, oh, right. This this is what it could be, like. And it and then it actually again opened me up a bit. It was like, God, this is bigger. This is all connected. Like every part mm-hmm. of this is connected. Every part of the things that I've been learning about, it's all connected. Like and um, that was my kind of route into it. And obviously, then I did a bit of research and started studying it a bit and. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, it's difficult to articulate that how much it's influenced my spiritual journey and my, um, my grief journey and my, um, exploration of death and, and awareness and consciousness. And it's just all kind of mixing in, like it's all the same journey and it's kind of just marinating and like, um and it just feels really really real and is and you can't disprove it to me <laughs> um there's no science which can disprove it there's no you know there's no theory that can disprove it my lived experience and what i've learned tells me this is real mm-hmm. like there's, the there's movie, certain things actually, in the movie i mean there's a scene where one of the, the lead characters is going to present this theory to his fellow scientists and like he's trying to stop him and he says no this is real like mm. yeah because he's, he's got the data but he's also but it's his intuition that took him to find that data right mm-hmm. yeah mm. experience which took him to find that data and so yeah this is this this is real yeah then, yeah all, all we all we have is our direct experience and, and we we derive truth from our direct experience um even even everything that's even everything that's get gets proven is getting proven within direct experience. We can't escape the fact that um, direct experience is the the sole carrier of reality. So when we have these these um, when we have things that are so experiential and and uh, that's that's that, that's how we know it's true and that's how uh, that's that's how the truth sits in our heart. Um, I, I yeah I, I I love I love how much you you've really shown me a lot about quantum entanglement, James, and I love the way that you just threw yourself into it and really started studying it and following it. Um, one of the things that Tina and I teach people is uh, to find things that bring them wonder and awe and curiously follow them uh, and really, really bask in the appreciation uh, for the things that you have wonder and awe about and exploring them. So I, I urge everyone listening to um, really, really follow those things that bring you wonder and awe, follow those things that are, mm-hmm. are tugging at your heart, follow those things that you feel are kind of ushering you into expansion and 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 meet them with open-mindedness and and learn more and um, explore more, explore what's really getting you energized. Cause I think that's a, a really, really beautiful thing, uh, on this journey. Uh, Tina, do you have any, would you, do you have any like words, uh, words of wisdom for the, for the listeners? Yeah, or anything I actually, that you wanna... It's interesting. What's coming up for me to add, I love your description of all of this, James. And yeah, I, I feel the truth of, of all of that. And, and whether it's a psychic bond and whether it's quantum entanglement, it's like it, it can be yes to all of it, but it's true that there is like this deep bond. I mean, how could there not be when two beings are being like literally created 
in the same tiny little womb space from, you know, what a couple cells all the way to, to viable babies, like, of course, right. And um, so what that brings me to is the beauty of quantum entanglement, the the like, the um, so Trace and I aren't physically together right now. He's about 300 miles from me. And when he drove away to go see his parents, it was kind of under rough conditions for for he and I, um, as far as like, it, it wouldn't have been our choice, we were going to travel together. And um, I felt instead of feeling grief and loss when he drove away, I felt my heart just expand to hold him at any distance that he's at. And so there's the beauty of the knowing that when the bond is there, whether the person's still in a body or whether the person's on the other side, that, that, that bond is accessible and that space and time don't exist, right? It's all, it's all the universal present moment and, and quantum physics can handle all of this stuff. And then on the other hand, there's this concept that's just coming to me of quantum disentanglement, which would be like, we are co-creators of our reality, right? Like in, in every moment, we are playing a role in the reality we're experiencing. And so sometimes we invite these moments of wonder and awe and magic in on some level, maybe that's consciously, maybe that's brought to you on a, on a kind of like a soul level that knows it's the next part of your journey, maybe like that um, occurrence in, in church with the French chanting, it was like some part of your being knew that you were ready for this next level experience with your mom. But then there's other times where these, this entanglement can start to feel very imprisoning. Um, and so in my own personal life, so the, the person that I had told you about whose father had committed suicide after this relationship ended, I had a level of quantum entanglement with this person that for a number of years felt like it was serving me. It felt like it was teaching me a lot on my spiritual journey, teaching me a lot about heart and true love and um, grief and grace and all these things. And then at a certain point in time, when this human's no longer a part of my life, but I'm still having these quantum entanglement experiences, it started to become deeply unhealthy for me because um, it was leading me to believe that that meant something in particular about what would transpire between me and this other human. So for example, a couple of these experiences would be, I'm just driving in a parking lot one day and all of a sudden I know he's in an accident. And I find out the next day, he's okay, but I find out the next day, sure enough, he was in an accident. Next time it happens, I literally was about to, I was opening a, a refrigerator to purchase a drink and I grabbed the bottle of water, whatever it was. And I think to myself, what happened to him? And I look at my phone and that moment a text comes in saying he was in an accident. And again, these were both minor, but the point of all of it is to say that I wasn't in a lot of contact with this person at the time. Sounds like there's more contact than there actually was given that I'm getting these messages, but those were like rare texts, right? But these are rare texts coming on the heels of like deep knowing that something had transpired. And so it brought me a lot of beauty for a long time, a lot of learning, a lot of teaching, a lot of growth. But then at some point in time, 
it was also bringing me a lot of pain. It was bringing me false hope. It was bringing me a sense that something existed in the real world that didn't actually exist any longer. And what I learned is that as that became the prevailing understanding for me, and that I knew I needed to create a life that I really wanted to live, and that that wasn't going to include this person because this person wasn't there to be included. Um, I had to disentangle that quantum energy. I had to consciously do, and so for me, it was energy healing, but I had to do work where I'm cutting cords or energy so that this entanglement isn't haunting me for the rest of my life. I would still have regular dreams even after I had decided like, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. This isn't, this isn't helping me. Dreams would still come in. So I'd wake up in the morning and I do shadow work. Like what phantom thing from the past is trying to relive itself in this? You know, it's stuck in my subconscious somewhere, but this isn't, this isn't my lived reality right now. Maybe, I don't even know. Maybe it's occurring on another planet, on another version of my soul and another form of reality. I don't freaking know, but human Tina right here, right now was no longer benefiting from this level of entanglement. And so I I want to like bring that into the discussion here of like, there's really beautiful ways in which entanglement can actually show us the truth of, you know, someone's existence who's no longer in a body or how connected we are to somebody even when they're not with us. And, and how, for example, you do Reiki healing and you don't have to be in physical presence with them. I was doing this with my dog as he was a senior when I would travel away from him As a matter of fact, even when I was in person with him, the Reiki directly on his body was too intense for him. He'd get up and leave. But if I sent it from the next room over or 10 states away, he actually received it to the point where he was able to go off of anti-inflammatory medication and still be able to walk and have like be able to move. And this was all because I was sending Reiki energy to him. And so it's like, really beautiful, but like everything else in the universe, it has its light and it has its dark or, um, you know, light, light and shadow or whatever. It has the ability to be serving our journeys and really expanding us, or it has the ability to be holding us back. And so I want to remind us that as we explore these things, as we get really curious about learning about them, asking ourselves, how much is this entanglement? Like what parts of it are really, do I want to say holy hell yes to and keep inviting into my life? And what parts are, am I ready to complete? Um, Say, you know, that soul lesson done. Thank you. Thank you for all it brought. Thank you for the learning. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for the good times, the bad times, everything in between. But I am done with that. I'm ready to have a new experience of reality. So that has come, that's brought me to my knees a number of times on my journey of like, Okay, I'm right. Re- I'm ready for a different experience because obviously there are a lot of factors at play. We don't just get to like call up room service and be like, "Yeah, new experience, room 407, please." <laughs> you know, there's like some work to to be done and some d- truly disentanglement to happen, um, which you know is a very personal process. Energy healers can help you through. Journaling can help you through. But it really is like sorting through. Like, okay, what of this? It's almost like having a piece of luggage. If if you want to see it as a physical world, or James, you're in a process of moving, looking at your physical items. What comes and what goes? What's going to come with me and serve me? 
what's going to be donated or thrown away or left behind. Be- beautifully said. And I think, th- I think that's a really good uh, note to end on and, and a good thing to, for the, for the listeners, for everyone listening to uh, contemplate and explore um, th- this next week. And however, however um, amount of time mm-hmm. um, is what, what's, what's serving you in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what do you feel is really, uh, you know, giving you a lot of life and, and filling your heart um, and, and moving you more towards expansion and what, what feels like it's, you want to explore further and what feels like it's not serving you. Are there, are there limiting beliefs? Are there certain patterns, certain relationships? Um, this is a new year, uh, 2022. We we feel into the energy this year and this year feels so expansive. Um, so what, what do you want to, what do you want to let go of and what do you want to want to leave behind? Um, I, I would, I think we should have a, a part two of this discussion, um, but between then, I would, I think the listeners, I would, I would love for the listeners to really explore that question. And um, everything you said, Tina, was just, just perfectly and beautifully said. Um, just mm-hmm. what's, what's serving you, and then what's not serving you, and, and let that be something you explore. Let that be something that you uh, question and, and, and let do some work on you, because um, this is some. Sometimes mm-hmm. the things that aren't serving us can kind of be existing in the background. We can't be. We, we might not even fully be aware of them. Um, so really doing some, some introspective work on, on what's serving you and what's not serving you. Um, and that, that, that's a, that's a huge part, huge part of the journey and huge part of expansion. So I just urge all the listeners to take that invitation. Yeah. This, this, this was so fun. Such a, such a good time talking, talking with you both. I'm so glad. I, I mean, we, I know we have so much more to talk about, um, so much more to explore on this subject. Uh, but I feel like it was really, it was, a, this was a really good first discussion as far as, um, you guys sharing your stories and, and us having yeah. a conversation. Yeah, it was. Death. This has been fantastic. Um, did we lose Tina? No, I'm here. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I thought that James was finishing. It's, it's been yeah, amazing. Thank you both for coming on and, and thank you, Tina, for sharing your story. And, uh, and you're with them. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just lost, at the end there. Yeah, it has. It has. Um, and like I was saying, like, thank you for sharing your story, Tina. And uh, it really meant a lot to hear that and sharing your wisdom. And thank you, Trace, for great questions and great facilitating. And uh, it's really exciting to see you growing and learning on, on this journey as well. So, and we will do a part two for sure. Um, I think that's, that's going to happen now. So um, this will now become a part one. (laughs) Um, So um, definitely connect with these guys online. uh, Tracebell.com with three L's, I think is Trace's website. You can find all their work Mm -hmm. there, all the stuff that they do. Um, Definitely connect with them and um, they'll be back on this show for sure. So um, thanks for coming on guys. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.